need a bigger boat. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head? Six and it's me, Gary P, and of course the prop, Carol. Get user bags packed. Get user white Shamrock Rovers on tour T-shirts. We are sponsored by Electrical Credit. Electrical Credit, sponsored by <laughs> Leinster Credit. And when you got no money, you got to go to Malta. It's Leinster Credit. You got your bag. And of course, Ocean Electrical, who are going to be on tour with us as well. So cannot wait and check them out. Google them. Um, getting bigger by the day. They've got all sorts going on. They're they are behemoths of the electrical game. But still no lamps. Still no lamps. Yeah, we'll do get one eventually. What? I'm actually bringing me ocean electrical t-shirt for the crack. <laughs> um, right, yeah. So we're going to talk about our wins over Finn Harps and Hibernians in the Champions League. We have interviews with Tala Stadium manager Nicola Coffey to talk about the new North Stand and Sean McCarthy, a hoop living in Malta for over twenty years. Of course, of the he's uh, the brother of the famous Mick McCarthy. Yeah. The senator. But you mentioned Harps and Hibernians there. The question is, Garrett, who were better? This is a genuine question I have for you. Oh, um, Harps. Harps were better than them. Yep. Harps were better than Hibs. They actually were. <laughs> so, last week, Luco Demecchio and Gianluca Lia. Very, very good prop. Loving it. Um, you and, like we said, you and Luco Demecchio, something in common with your Rangers affiliation. <laughs> well, I didn't get much feedback on Luco Demecchio. I got the impression people didn't really take to him but I think it's because he's out of the game so long and he doesn't care anymore but he admitted that up front plus he played like I mean there was only a certain amount of people would really be privy to that because he played what 16 games yeah but so. I, I like these cold heroes though you know and when else can you interview Luke Demek except when you're about to go to Malta but uh, there was something from Brian uh, McKenna there We'll take over there. Brian McKenna, Luke Demick versus Bowles in a league game at Tolkien made the longest and muddiest slide tackle I've ever seen in the yellow boy. He launched from about 20 yards and intercepted the ball and man simultaneously leaving a long trail of mud in the pitch. Love those. <laughs> Love them. You just launch yourself into it. Skidding mm. along the pitch. Yeah, Gianluca was very informative. Even a member of, of the coaching staff said to me after the game like your man was pretty close to what they set up as he nailed it he was really good and he was good at giving descriptions of their type of players and what they were what they were like um, brilliant well done Gianluca Lea a couple of people loved the ending this Champions League music at the end it was called Spine Tingling yeah I was there uh, I was I was in work and I was listening back to it and I was just standing in the middle of the floor I don't know if you saw me <laughs> my hand on my chest yeah I was like what, what's Gary doing why, why is Gary standing there like that I meant to say do you put big old headphones on 
and listen to that for three minutes. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? The goosebumps, but um, yeah, yeah. So we are going to talk about Harps one 0 and Bally Buffet, and we didn't make this one. Uh, the blanket ban continues. We are excommunicated from the bus community. We hope to resolve this issue as soon as possible. How public is this about the buses? Are we being cryptic or do most people know about it? Uh, no, there's an issue with buses. That's all we'll say. We'll say that's it. We're dealing with it. We're getting, we're getting to the bottom of it. And Not specifically our bus now. It's just like all the bus. Yeah, all the buses. Every single bus. Despite the absolute madness and debauchery that have gone on in our bus. It's not even our bus that's been targeted. It's all the Rovers buses. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, like I say, we didn't go. We were watching the stream because we're part-timers. But uh, how did you find the stream experience? That was fine. Always is. Always is. No issues. I never really have any issues with it. Um, bit like I had to lower down the volume because your man just he's too much. <laughs> he's a bit. He's a bit too much. He's a bit boisterous. <laughs> too excited. Jesus Christ. The two of them. That's what was. Obviously, a lot was made of your man, the man, the lead commentator. But the t- I don't think the other guy got enough criticism because he was bringing the exact same level of energy. I've never heard two commentators sound the exact same before. I don't know what was it about. Like they just, I, not, I think are they being, is this like community service for them? You know where they have to do it? It's, I can't think of any other reason why you wouldn't be any way enthusiastic about it. We'll, we'll talk about why it went viral and all later. But um, Yeah, the charter troubles as well. Prof, we have a mole. We have a mole in the club. Dan McDonald's um, article about our flight details. Where does that come from? How does he know that? Well, he could ask that about a lot of things. How does he know about transfers two days before how, they go ahead? How does he know that um, there's gonna have to they're gonna have to stop and refuel? Like that's that is not something the players might even know. I guarantee you, not all those players are sitting there and like, okay, we have to refuel. They, they'll probably land. They'll be like, over oh, here. No, no, we're just refueling. Like, mm-hmm. this, there's a mole in the camp. Someone's giving Dan McDonald info. Yeah, but he's around a long time. That's his job. His job is to find out these things. True, yeah, I know. Contacts. Like that's it. But um, is that necessary? Is that public information? Is that information necessary to be public? Not really. But uh, it took a long time for it to, to go public, didn't it? We were hearing bits and pieces of difficulty that we were having. You know, uh, securing a spot from Dublin Airport, and when you when you sum it up like this, the champions of Ireland representing their country in the Champions League. Mm. And we can't secure a charter out of Dublin Airport. It's insane, really. It's madness. It, yeah. it is insane, yeah. So there, there's a team are flying from Shannon. You and I are actually flying from Shannon as well, with a certain Mick McCarthy. So Shannon hoops that that ride to the airport itself could actually be one of the highlights of our Mother trip. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there's, there's, there have to be a bag of cans involved there, won't there? <laughs> so Gaffney one nil. I think we'll skim this one, Prof, because it was a fucking non-event, wasn't it? Yeah, no, we're not going to say too much about that. The first half was like, it was like 45 minutes of sideways passing yeah. and wearing them down without actually ever looking dangerous. No, Until Gaffney from 25 yards. But uh, as a commentator said recently, we were probing and a poking. Probing and a poking. The, I think the accuracy of this strike took it in, man. It was so accurate. It wasn't much power on it. Like It was just a really, really accurate strike. Well no, struck. He just passed it into passed the net. Into but, the uh, net yeah, yeah uh, we mentioned the commentator there. It was like it was like AMSR. Have you heard of this? No. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's a new phenomenon about people uh, speaking intimately and up close to a microphone, 
and that could be sort of like soothing and something that okay, people yeah, want to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be yeah. something like this. Exactly, yeah. Where we're talking about the moonlight. And you soothing about tones. Absolutely anything. And people just could be getting off in the summer. <laughs> but uh, that's what it remind me of. Like one guy was like Amos R and the other is like he's lullabying a baby to sleep. Yeah. And then funny enough, there was a parody done of this goal. Because your man, his tone did not change. He just, he's just, he's carrying on with the... And Shimmer Grover is uh, Gary O'Neill, he's playing Gary. So then the ball hits the net and he's still... And that's a goal by Ryan Gaffney. 25 yards from Rory Gaffney. Tone doesn't change. At all. Someone made a great parody of it. I it's saw like, him with the baby. Like, like you're like you're, uh, you're on babysitting Judy. And you're commentating. <laughs> you, can't wake the boy, you can't wake the baby. But uh, one of our own went viral, Gar. One of our own went, oh, yeah. It's Mr. O'Hayde himself. Yeah, he said up there with the Aguero commentators. And uh, last we checked, this tweet had nearly 30,000 likes. <sighs> That is nuts. Like he's he's like he's like a cool person now. You had to turn off the notifications within the first few hours. It was just bonkers. Bouncing. Phone absolutely um, bouncing. Yeah. <laughs> he was slagging me, he goes, I can mingle in your circles now. <laughs> yeah. Fuck off, will you? They should have put uh, Dave Webster on commentary. He's, I mean he's nothing to do, has he? Yeah, yeah well he's not gonna travel up for that, is he? He's probably not gonna travel up for commentary, but um unless you can do it remotely somehow, but um, also aside from their tone they kept going on and on about the amount of our late goals this season like, we've had very little they brought this up many we've, a time we've had very little late goals give me give me the stats we have scored one winner in the last five minutes they're living in the past here of man. our 24 competitive games to this point so tell me what late goals are you talking about this season ridiculous man um, so yeah second half uh well, Tell came on. Uh, he had been injured for a couple of games. Well, uh, almost made an instant impact. It was great work down the right by Gaffney. Chips it in. And Tell tried to side foot it on the volley from where it came from. Probably should have scored, but... Uh, yeah, uh, he, sh- he should have, yeah. It was a good chance. And then, just to note on Gaffney, uh, we're going to be talking about him a lot, obviously, for the Hibs game. But a couple of minutes after he just set up Tell... He tracks all the way back to our own box and wins the ball just as they're about to get a shot off. Unbelievable, man. I love this man so he much. He is the flavour of the month at the minute. And you like late uh, late run Richie, don't you? He had another chance then um, in the second half. Some, actually, I think it was, uh, it was Cotter. Cotter on one of his gallops. Gallops. And uh, it would have been a great goal, but uh, it was dragged wide. He should have squared that for Idemo. He should have put Idemo through. Mm. I don't know why he did that. Silly. He should have just put Idemo through when he was going in a goal. Uh, it was said to me that my Sean Hoare ever-present stat was under pressure, but he came on, yeah. so he's still... Officially ever-present. Still ever-present. Yeah, so Idemo's chance. What was this one, Prof? I'm struggling here. It was right at the end. It was in injury time, I think. Uh, he was he was clean through on goal. Oh, he should have scored. But it was a tame effort straight at the keeper. Uh he oh. just needs a goal. Yeah. The highlights package this game was quite strange. It was like... It ju- it showed... It was five minutes of hardly anything. It was mostly, it was mostly the Gaffney goal. A bit of Brazier at the end. A McCann tackle. Uh, didn't even show the item chance. I don't, think they, I don't think they were too sought after now, to be honest. Second best chance of the game. Um, so Brazier pointed out afterwards that the goal going in to Europe was nine points out of nine. 
that was bows, pads, harps, and so that was mission accomplished. So yeah, so we got the it was a narrow win, but we got the win. Yeah, so that is it. Uh, we're going to talk about the other results now, Prof. We've done Dock 3, UCV 0. We've Bowes 2, Derry 3, and St. Pat's 3, draw the 0. Sligo 3, Shells 1, and I don't think we <laughs> I don't think we have anyone this week. Do we not? No, do we? Hold on, let me see. Yeah, no, hold on, who we got? Well, yeah, I well, think we have Rory Higgins, actually. So Rory Higgins, um, yeah, he, they, we caught up with him after the Bowes game, after the 3-2 win. So Roy, you're a three to win uh, at Daily Mount Park. Must be happy you're you're uh, putting an end to this winless run. I believe it was a great win, and I think we were well worth well worth the three points down in, in Daily Mount. That's short and sweet. Yes. <laughs> what about uh, McMillan's first league goal in a full year? I wonder what his manager at Oriel Park had to say with that. Oh. <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> I'll just give it a minute. Oh, fuck it. If it doesn't agree with me. Yeah, it's a good goal. And, uh, you know, I just really feel like he's going to start kicking into gear now. And I just... Those, are, those, are, those fucking... Those Italian, those Italian vaccines didn't do me well now at all. We swapped Hoban. We swapped Hoban. Swapped, swapped Hoban for, oh, for 40 batches of vaccines, and I'm not taking to them away. Well, I'm happy for McMillan. Yeah, happy for McMillan. First thing you go in the full year. Owen, Owen Doyle maintaining his incredible striking prowess against the bottom three there. Sligo <laughs> yeah. three. Shells one. Did Akina get in the goal scoring sheet again? I think he did. Um, he scored an own goal as well, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he's um, a, a, a young Patoy is uh, screaming his name from the rooftops. He believes that we should be mm. signing him. Were they were they saying on LOI Central today that the the Bowes on goal went down as Dawson Devoy, but it was actually Max Murphy. Mm. So that would make it his second on goal of the season, wouldn't it? Uh, have we got on goal stats? Well, we know we got one against us, mm. or in our favour rather. So that is the results, anyway, Prof. But we have. A cracker of an interview coming up now, and this is something you wouldn't have thought of, but the prof did. So it's Nicola Coffey, and she is the stadium manager at Tata Stadium. So we're here with Nicola Coffey, uh, stadium manager of Tata Stadium. We're going to talk about uh, the new North Stands being developed, and uh, Shamrock Rovers in the stadium in general, and your role as a stadium manager. So welcome to the show, Nicola. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. When did you first take on the job? Um, I joined... A month after we opened, April 2009. So uh, I missed the first game, um, but have been there pretty much ever since. So that means in your first year, it was it was Real Madrid in the first season. So well, listen, only first, a few months in, what was that yeah, like to deal with? About three months in, I would listen, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was, uh, talk about jumping in uh, at the deep end, but yeah, really, really good. And it's just been it's been fantastic all along. I mean, the the group stages in 2011 to see the progression of the the stadium from just the west end to the east and the south, and and now the north. It's you know it's brilliant, really good. I've spoken to a number of, of board members at Rovers, and they've spoken about when they took over the club in 2005. They then had to form new relationships with the FEI and with the council, and the likes of including yourself. What about from your point of view? The relationship with Shamrock Rovers, how has that grown uh, over the years? I think it's it's grown into a really good, really strong relationship. I mean, you know, 2009, it was new to everybody. Um, 
and we've we've been dealing obviously with a lot of the board are, are still there in some capacity so suddenly you know 2022 it's it's a long long time and um, there's a level of trust there that has been built up over the years between I think I think that goes both ways now so it's gotten really strong and really good. I know you're a former cricketer uh, you even played in the World Cup um, where, quite, where did you root that out? Yes. Yeah, quite handy. Yeah, golf, I believe, as well. But uh, what about football? Have you always been interested, or mostly because of Rovers and the, the women's national team that you're One, more invested now? Well, 110%. Um, I would have been an armchair Manchester United fan till 2009. And now I would would have a, a leniency towards or be leaning towards Shamrock Rovers absolutely massively. So Listen, I, I found I found my League of Ireland football when I when I came to Tala in two thousand and nine, and it's brilliant. I love it. See, I do my research now. Con Martin, the cricket now. Whatever about golf, because I play a bit of golf at the minute. But to go back to two thousand and five <laughs> to the Cricket World Cup, I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. And Con Martin, a great uncle. Oh, Jesus, that's that's even that. Well, now that that was in an article somewhere, so I'll give you that one. But yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, my my mother's uncle, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a bit of football in the blood. I, I never got it, but uh, but he certainly had it. So it's not just Robbers, of course. Dundalk, Pat Strahada, they've all used Tata Stadium to host European games. So we had group stage games in 2011 in Tata. Dundalk had them in uh, 2016, and again in uh, 2020. Or well, that was the Aviva. But uh, UEFA can be quite demanding, can't they, when it comes to improvements to the stadium, when it comes to the group stages and the higher level and criteria, so to make sure everything's up to scratch. So can you give us some examples of what UEFA can be like uh, in sure. these times? Um, absolutely. I mean, for for every game like last night, uh, UEFA are on site from the day before. There's a designated match delegate who can come from any part of Europe Um and they come, they do an inspection the night before, they go through the facility, they check the infrastructure. They generally come to the the away team are entitled to train the night before. They generally come to that. Um, there is a, a pretty detailed document in terms of what the requirements are, the match management, security, safety. Um, and we have to ensure that the we on the whole, being the match management team, obviously the club, the guards, um, a little bit of input from ourselves. We have to ensure we tick every box because if we don't, um, you know, you can be dealing with fines, you can be dealing with matches not going ahead. Thankfully, we we haven't had um, any incidents like that. But back in 2011, um, you know, the, the, the stadiums are all, they're all uh, categorised by infrastructure criteria. So we are aiming for, UEFA Category 4 with the completion of the North Stand. In order to host group stage games, Europa League, Champions Leagues, you have to be Cat 4. We have got temporary Cat 4 status in 2011, um, 2016 for the, the Dundalk games, but we had to make massive adjustments. So the plan with the North Stand development and the, the 11.5 million that's gone into it is that we will be able to host those games for the club comfortably without having to make any adjustments internally without having to add any more capacity you know a, a big thing for them is um actually media and looking after you know your sponsors etc so part of the redesign in the west end will see you know a full new media area that that has to go in um so it's exciting really exciting and 
you know, we aim to be, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of other League of Ireland clubs that, that we've facilitated. We want to be the best in the country in terms of League of Ireland. We're, we're not going to be in Aviva. We're not intending to be, um, you know, our capacity will be 10,000, but we will hopefully be the best League of Ireland venue um, for the near future. You were saying to me the other day that a delegate did a stadium tour during the Maltese training on Monday night. Is that typical when a European team visit that there's a tour and there's a, a meet yeah. and greet and all that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. So the delegate um, does an inspection. Um, we'll check the changing rooms, medical facilities, um, the you know where the the away fans will be seated, where the home fans are seated, the entry points, basically everything match related. They will. They have a checklist. They have to go through goalposts, temporary goalposts. You know where the ground staff are going to be, what the security numbers are, the the medical, the 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 public medical, the team medical. You know how many ambulances, fire tenders, car parking. You name it. Every single thing you can think of when you walk into the stadium, they will check and ensure that we are fully compliant. Um. So so far so good. All went well last night. I mentioned the dock in 2016, but Robbers in that time, uh, we had been out of Europe for a few years. Back then, we were only half filling the stadium, but times have changed. Uh, 7,000 plus attendances are almost the norm now. Yeah. Champions League football is back, so you must be delighted to see all this. It is fantastic. Um, you know, I've, I've said it at every opportunity. Tala gets a really bad rep, um, more than its fair share, and is generally only in the news when there's when there's bad news. It's comfortably, I know I the Ross in the office has, has I mean, and you can see it from the figures, there's been 60,000 people at Rovers game so far this year or over that after last night. You know, how many of those people are local? Quite a lot, but how many are traveling? You know, it's it's brilliant. It's fantastic for the area. And you're obviously there last night. Hopefully this is only the beginning of another journey that culminates in more group stage. It'd be fantastic, not only for Rovers, but good news story for Tala with those big games and big occasions on our doorstep once again absolutely absolutely to to see the club in in the group stages would just be fantastic this year and you know the thing is and what I've learned over the last couple of years is 2011 um you know it was exciting and it was god kind of can't believe we're here but now there's an expectation that the club should be here and you know the team is, is showing that on the pitch and we saw it last night so fingers crossed they can keep going I was reading an interview with Mark Lynch there last week. He's saying that 10,000 is the aim. Is that very much achievable in your view? Ah, 100%. I mean, look look at the the numbers, you know, even last night, the uptake kind of last minute to get those. We, you know, I think it's fair to say we were expecting maybe five, five and a half thousand to have over 7,000, you know, an extra 1,500 people in the space of, of a day. Um, you know, just goes to show the appetite is there. And if the lads keep producing on the pitch um, and if we can provide a decent facility, hopefully it'll continue to grow. I have to give a mention to the ground staff, uh, Billy and Kieran. I interviewed them on the podcast there uh, a month or two ago, and it was fascinating to see it up close, the dedication they, they give to uh, attending yeah. the pitch in Tala. And they, you got a couple of mentions as well. Uh, they were they only mention me now when, when they're looking for something, Carl. Generally, generally, <laughs> I'm 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 signing a, a an order number for something specific. But I know, listen, they're brilliant. You know, for what they have in terms of what's what I believe is under that pitch, um, you know, and, and yes, we probably, it is fair to say we've got a really good budget. We have full-time staff on the pitch. No doubt about that compared to the other grounds. However, we don't have an Aviva budget or a Pro Park budget. 
Um, so what they're producing week in, week out is a testament to them. And I will have to give that to them, although I won't say it too loud because they'll come back looking for more money off me. But to be fair, it's really, really good. And the Ireland women's team, they've made Tata their home as well. They're getting incredible crowds. Obviously, women's football is growing very quickly and you must be proud that Tata is the base of that in many ways with the, the, the women's side. 100%, absolutely. Again, to get the recognition, to be the host of, you know, the, the, the senior women's team is fantastic. And what's actually even better to see is the underage structures um, the club have with the, the under-17s, under-19s, the women's teams that have come up. And I see that there was the appointments, um, can't think of his name off the top of my head, Jason, who was originally in Piment, who was heavily involved in the women's uh, football there, has been taken on by by Rover. So, you know, it just goes to show the progression and the, the ambition of the club in terms of women's football too. I'm just kind of touching again on your day-to-day, I guess. You, you keep the place busy, don't you? Not just football or sport, but whether it's car boot sales or conferences or all sorts of initiatives. So what sort yeah. of non-football stuff would be happening this year, for example? Um, we will, pre-COVID, I suppose, is probably a better example. Um, you know, obviously Rovers are there for 40 games a year and it's my job to try and keep the place as busy as I can, um, limiting activity on the on the playing surface because if we were to facilitate every request we get for matches or charity matches and albeit they're fantastic causes we wouldn't be able to keep the surface at the level it's at so we have to maximize the building and the function rooms the bar and the 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 main function room the the 1899 you know we we would rent them out for both um kind of corporate and community usage um and prime example tuesday afternoon we have about 60 to 70 um retired people who play whists cards um i don't know too much about it only that i think it's kind of like a form of bridge but it's very competitive and you can hear them screaming and shouting downstairs um we would have job fairs um various types of conferences you know it's it's busy um and again trying to to maximize usage of the building and trying to manage the the playing surface activity is kind of can be a bit of a balance but it's good so a uh, sod turning took place uh, about a month ago now, it was 7th of June, for, uh, for the construction of a new four stand in Tata. So this would bring capacity up to 10,000. Can you give us an idea of the timeline of when the talks begin on this new stand? How was it made a reality? Who was involved and what was involved? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the ambition um, from within the council was always to complete the venue. So the current chief executive um, uh, has been very proactive in developing the south and now progressing the north stand. Um, so you're probably, I mean, it's its always been in conversation, but it's probably, you know, four years at this point taking COVID into consideration when there was a real strong conversation about the north stand being completed. Um, and looking at you know, obviously it's going to be a bigger stand in that there's going to be units underneath it, um, commercial units underneath it. Rovers are going into bespoke custom-built offices um, up in that area, which again allows us to hit the category UEFA Category 4 status by taking the space that they're currently in at the minute and creating press conference area, meeting rooms, and press working area. So it's it's hopefully win-win. They'll have their own 
offices that had they been involved in the the design of when I say they I mean the office staff of the club um and we will now have the you know the the media requirements and the various UEFA requirements met and um, there's a couple adjustments to the changing rooms small little things but they're niggly um when you get to group stage activity so yeah it's all good everyone knows Tada's history obviously it took 22 years for robbers to find a home but when you look around the league with delays at other grounds, uh, whether it be building a new stadium or improving it, and you see delays after delays, and maybe the it, the result doesn't look like it did initially with the original mm-hmm. designs, or whatever. What what do you think helps pr- things progress quickly with the council in terms of funding? What made things come together to be able to follow a timescale that we've now completed this project with four stands? Um. To be fair, I think that is primarily down to the uh, ambition of our chief executive. Um, you know, he was adamant that the the, the stadium was going to be finished. Um, and there's you know various funding sources that you know he's he's in, he's tapped into uh, that you know has ensured that the place will be completed. So himself and the director um, in charge with charged with looking after the stadium you know they've pushed on on the councillors obviously as I've mentioned you know I'm sure they they do see the benefit of bringing x amount of people to Tala you know every every two weeks or for 40 games a year um you know so it's 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 win-win it really is and it's been a a, a collective effort we'll say the councillors and the and the management of the council you touched on it a bit there. What's going to happen in the new North Stand? I'm just quoting from uh, the article here. There's going to be major refurbishment work in the main stand, corporate areas, um, much enhanced facilities for media, revamped conference meeting room facilities, and uh, more, uh, fully accessible seating areas in the South Stand. So can you sort of touch on more on uh, those improvements and additions that we'll see with the, the fourth stand? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, there'll be, um, in terms of the accessibility, that was a you know something that was heavily discussed. Um, I know that there were issues in the with the South Stand development, so they're going to be improved, uh, you know, and create a better viewing area. There will be accessible areas in the North Stand as well. There's also a changing places room going in behind the South Stand, which is a fully accessible toilet changing facility um, for those with advanced accessibility needs. Um, in terms of the West End corporate areas, again, UEFA criteria states that we have to have a certain amount of seats specific for VIPs, for away delegations, um, media, press working areas. So they're all going to be incorporated in the in the West End development. You'll see some adjustments for hospitality that are required. So the main function room is having a little bit of work done. The bar is having a little bit of work done. And myself um, being the probably the person that that that's most involved is I'm as excited about the West Stand development as I am about the North Stand because I see the I suppose the the bigger picture in terms of what we have had to do to keep UEFA happy and you know or to, to meet the criteria and now this will all be be done for us and we won't be worrying about it um you know when we get to to the higher level of of group stage games so yeah that's pretty much it have Robert spoken about moving uh, into the North Stand in terms of retail and the club shop? Have they talked about their plans to uh, to move stuff in there? Um, not in detail, but I mean, obviously mm. there will be a shop facility provided 
um, you know, for the same as what they have at the minute, obviously, but a, a newer uh, custom fit, we'll say. And just out of interest, was was a wraparound ever discussed over the years uh, with the forest, with the forest hands? Was it ever? I, I'm not laughing it was because feasible? it would be. I mean, it would be ideal, but you know, in terms of the the costs associated with wrapping, um, wrapping around the the corners and where our floodlights are situated, you know, the it just. You know, it was it was pretty pricey um, for the preliminary costings that were done on it. So, not I'm not saying it won't happen in the future. Who knows? Um, you know, but certainly the on a cost benefit analysis, you weren't getting that much value in terms of seat gills and 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 viewing issues. Um, you know, restricted views. Um, albeit it would it would look lovely to be to be a bowl as opposed to, um, you know, that the four stands, but. Listen, I'll, at this point, we'll happily take the four stands and the setup we have, considering I had one stand when I joined in 2009. So, And finally, when you think back to when it was just one stand in 2009, this is obviously 13, 14 years in the making when it's completed in uh, July 2023. How excited are you when you think back to that time that oh, now you can actually complete this project once and for all? It's fantastic. You know, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, but even to see the progression of the club, you know, there's an expectation now that the club should be in group stage football, um, be it, you know, whichever of the competitions, uh, group, sorry, group stage European football, I mean, and and that's brilliant too. You know, they've clearly cemented themselves in Tala with a fan base in Tala, obviously locally now, as well as the many travelling fans that come from around the country for, you know, Friday night matches. So it's, it's really, really good. Um, and the level of professionalism, you know, from all all sides of the club is fantastic so yeah it's 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 some change since 2009 but it's it's so positive well nicola thanks so much for your insight around the stadium really appreciate it thanks so much no worries at all yes that was nicola and um she's uh she's officially a fan since 09 prof that's good to see where did the cricket thing come from and golf yeah no she was quite the sports uh woman back in the day she played in the world cup for yeah. Ireland and cricket, like it's so um, random. Can't remember where the World Cup was, 2005. Uh, so yes. she represented Ireland, yeah. But um, and by the way, Jason Carey, that's who she was trying to think of. That's the new head of women's football at Rovers. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, interesting to kind of hear the the plans about the North Stand because what gave me this idea was in our group chat the other day. Obviously, all our minds are on Malta and the Champions League, but there was one afternoon there conversation just broke out about the new stand for a couple of hours and yeah. everyone was chipping in and they were like oh I think this is going to be part of it oh they said this in the media so that's what we try and do on the show is we try and engage what people are thinking about so hopefully that fills in a few extremely relevant yeah you must have uh, must so Nicola Coffey must have been some grind yeah. prepping that were you up on night? Just go back, just stick to the Stephen impressions, will you? So, yes. Also, I mentioned to her, um, do you remember when I w- I've asked Peter Murphy about this before in interviews? We qualify for the group stages of the Champions League or the Europa League in 2011, and everybody is over in Belgrade, all our officials, all our board members. The only, there's only a skeleton crew in the office back in Tata Stadium, and Peter Murphy is probably the most senior there. So, TB3 come in for interviews. And they talked to Peter. 
and they're asking him like well, what do you do now you have Spurs in the group stages uh, how will you host these games and he goes it'll have to be the Aviv and I said that to her and she she didn't she didn't know what I was talking about at first but then when I said it to her she put her head in her hands she was like oh no I do remember this <laughs> yeah. yeah so Prof we're going to move on now to the Tuesday night training away and home to Hibs Champions League qualifying no champions you have to do the bit you have to do the ready so that was uh, a cracker of a fucking win, Prof. Really, really good. The lineup, did we get it right? What did we What did we predict? We predicted pretty much this. We were. It wasn't the two up top that we thought. We were given a tip that McCann was going to start. Yeah, but it so wasn't the two up top. I wasn't surprised by that. So McCann and O'Neill in the middle. It wasn't Gaffney and Green up front. It was two of them were just a little bit withdrawn. Behind the Gaffney up top and a one to three, it was it was always going to be Finn and Lyons. Yeah. They they are his first choice wing backs, and and it turned out to be an inspired choice because Finn was outrageous. He was game. on it. Oh, he was man. on it. Brilliant. I was interested to listen to him. He, he was only speaking for three minutes. Uh, I interviewed him after the game, but on LOA Central, he, it was this three minute interview, and he spoke about his recovery time. Now, he said he spends two days a week now in recovery so he has to do a lot more of that but even at the age he is now he's 35 I found that very cool those recovery put, rooms are everywhere he now he can put in those performances so he has to put in more work behind the scenes but he can still do it on the pitch Finn is 35 he looks like a young pup <laughs> he looks the exact same as he's he like the milky bar he's 21 he's fucking I tell you what he's drinking the right there's something in the water out in our town um, yes yeah. so the build up probably was great Great stuff, real fucking buzz. And then the day, the couple of days before it, myself and a couple of other uh, social engineering uh, empresarios, we decided we're going to fucking promote the fuck out of this because we were only about four or five thousand tickets. So you can only imagine the media team going nuts with it. The, the non-media team promoting as well. Up to seven thousand, seven thousand on the lead up to this, man. Well, and I, I said it on the show. I fucking called it. You, I think you asked me, how, what are we going to get? I said seven. You said we're just gonna fall short. I did think, and if you if you looked at the figure, I think it was either on the morning or the night before they were at sixty two hundred. And I was thinking, oh, bridge too far. So maybe. I thought it was just gonna get stuck in that, but apparently there was a late surge. Loads of walk ups. Think about it, right? So you're sitting at home. Let's say you're you're from Tallaght, and you're sitting at home. Kids are there. You're flicking through the channels. Champions League football. What's that? What's all right? Let's have a look at that. Rovers. Rovers are home in the Champions League. Fuck it, come on, we walk down. That's how it works. It's the only good thing I give RTE. <laughs> if 800 people decided that, then... Uh... But that's how I would. Like, if I was sitting at home and I seen Luke and United on the telly playing against someone in, like, a big toy, I'd mm. go, fuck that, I'll go down with a game of ball. You know what I mean? There you go. But one to four, Prof, Lord, I hate... When, when you see this, you're just thinking... Oof. I hate this stuff. One to four, that's a... It's bad enough having the favourite tag, but... 1 to 4, yeah. I take 1 to 4 odds on me melting to death in Malta next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Prof turning into a puddle is 2 to 5. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, my stat attack returned. You you seemed impressed by my strategy. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Easy to read. Easy on the eye. Draws you in and then smacks you. Hits yeah. you with the stats. Thanks as always to to Deck for putting them together. Puts together the graphics. Um, and also, fair play to Ryan McDyer. Because he, uh, he he did a few pages in the program. This is our coefficient nutcase, isn't it? It is, yeah. 
Dan Fulham was well the Tilmer in no cases but uh, <laughs> he put together a few pages on Hibs in the programme and he he was asking me like do I have Hibs complete record like they're played win drew loss scored against and because Wikipedia like I said last week there's a few gaps don't even have the Waterford game 1980 mentioned and I was saying oh it would take me ages to go through all the books but fair play to him he was so annoyed by this inaccuracy on Wikipedia he went to the trouble of finding out and then editing the page so it's up to date now mm. I love that it annoyed him so much he had to fix it uh, we found out the Hibs were training at Sacred Heart yep scramblers ripping around they're just disrupting the training um, Paolo Boy's Hibs Ultras Malta stickers were found in was this town or in Tada I don't know I, I think it was, think it was think somewhere it was in town, town yeah. they seem to want the smoke they don't want the smoke prof the now, stickers suggest otherwise someone wants smoke in the stand now We'll talk about that in a while. The 1899 bar was closed, which annoyed some people. Can you imagine the fucking t- the take we would have got for that? Like, imagine the bar sales. I think it's the coppers, though, unfortunately. I think they shut it down whenever they feel like it. Was it UEFA they needed? UEFA would have been, the protocol would have been to Doping have some sort protocols. of room, and that's the only way we could mm. accommodate them. So, unfortunately, we lost out on a yeah. couple of thousand euro, I'd imagine, on bar sales. It was all bad news going in, wasn't it? There was like. On the Monday, you got Danny leaving, no Berkey, no Jack, no Bar. It was daunting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No Bar. Yeah. Uh, John Kyo was there. Um, we're, we're, we should be about to play a team from Bulgaria. Presuming we get through on Tuesday. I'll be jinxing the pro. Um, and there's very few players left alive who played against that Bulgarian team in 1962. And John Kyo was one of them. Ah, oh, that's cool. And he was there watching on in Tata. Very cool. Uh, about 30 Hibs fans slash officials were up in the main stand. Uh, we'll talk more about them in a moment. Uh, a bit of a fracas. Uh, fracas. <laughs> yeah. Do you pronounce yeah. the S on that? Fraca? Fraca. Fraca. Sounds a bit, a little bit more journalistic, doesn't it? So the S is silent. I think so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe let's, well, it is now. Tipsy's pronounced it Fraca. At, at East Ham Pond. At Pond. East Ham Is Pond. the S silent? Fraca uh, or fracas? No Champions League music played. Do you notice that? I was the, I noticed it yeah, and I thought I was hearing things you know what I mean and then it kicked off I was like well, something's not right here I'm missing mm. something here unfortunately yeah, yeah. must be a reason but um, open the opening us. stages yeah. prof this was brilliant this was deadly just the buzz now I will say the first 10 minutes were a little bit dull I was thinking to myself let's just get the let's just get like the scope on these and see what they're like Um I noticed straight away our man Suarez number 88 could barely run never mind kick a ball and he did those little steps before he kicked the ball. Like like he's never actually played football. So um I love this from Milner, uh, aka celebrity internet celebrity David Kiernan, who we knew before he rose to fame. He yeah. said that if you look at the highlights package, they actually showed tip just a few seconds of it, and then it cuts to like twenty minutes in. But they tip off and they play around the back and they're right back when he receives the ball. He gives the shittiest fucking pass straight to us in midfield. This is seven seconds in. And Mooner goes, the moment he did that, I knew we'd win handy. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them were just yeah. terrible. They big were, boys though. Big bulking team. Yeah, so big physical players. Uh, but they were up against it. I mean, they have to draft in a 37-year-old Brazilian club legend who had basically lured him out of retirement. That's like us getting McPhail to jump in the middle. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Jump in the middle there. Brought back in an emergency, and um, like Dan McDonald was saying this, wasn't he? I don't know if you heard the show today. 
I did. I heard about. I heard yeah. about three quarters of it. Was it Aaron Green? Who Actually, was... turned it off when Paddy Cavanaugh came on. Yeah, his brain was sliding out of my ear. Don't blame me. I think it was Aaron Green who showed that Andy Lyons is shout, uh, talking about your man, the Brazilian, saying you can't move. So play balls in behind them. Literally, he couldn't move. He was terrible. Um. So yeah. So chance. Was, yeah. T- positive start. That wasn't the first. Yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Like we, they knew. We went for it. What's, what's had a chance in the first couple of minutes? Couple of shots, Shot couple wide. of snapshots, just trying to test the keeper. It was well worth having a pop at him, you we know. We were playing well. We got in a couple of times as well, but I think Finn on 25, Prof, this was excellent stuff. And Gary O'Neill won it in the middle of the park, sprayed it out to Gaffney, and Gaffney just pinpoint cross, and Finner straight in at the back post, gets his fourth goal in 48 European appearances. That's the start of the week. Incredible, isn't Unbelievable. it? Unbelievable. I can't believe he hasn't scored a goal. I just love how Gaffney turned and played this ball before they even knew what hit them. The whole defence just looked shocked. So effortless though. And like I said, we deserved that goal. We were playing well. Unbelievable. Um, and this was, I think, the the ever-reliable Jason Maloney was saying that this is going to be a big, big game for Watts. A big, big game from, And he was right. Mm. Because he, our, our only creative, real creative force that could pluck something out of nowhere, which Gaffney falls into that bracket now as well, was was Watts and I was hoping he'd play him in the 10 but he grew into the role that he was in and he was starting to dominate the game yeah Bradger says he's playing at another level now the last few weeks Watts uh, he has been brilliant um, Finner like I said I talked to him afterwards and he was buzzing with the first goal he actually missed a penalty once for Dundalk in a European in game Europe. yeah so he says he's missed so many chances so to could miss that one to finally get this goal uh after all this time, he probably wondered would it ever come. Yeah, he couldn't. He's also closing in on Rogers for all-time appearances. Not far off, six maybe. He's six off, and he potentially could play another seven games. Even if we don't make the group stages, he could play seven well, games. No, it's crazy. What's I have a feeling on. he's going to be rested in Malta, though. Do you? Oof. It depends on what way he wants to approach it. it depends on the heat. We're three 0 up. We won't be overexerting ourselves here. We're going to yeah. box clever. We're gonna. Do you know what I'm gonna compare? It's gonna be a different to? robbers. I'm gonna compare it to the semi-final against Bowes, where we played a little bit direct, and didn't over tire ourselves, and didn't. You know, hmm. I think we might go down that road. We're, but we're <laughs> being, this is gonna be sun. There's sun down as eight. The second half against UCD when we're three up. That's the robbers. I'll take that. That's please, the robbers yeah. we're gonna see. I'll, I'll take that. Possession based. We're gonna have a lot of possession based, a lot of subs. That's what's gonna happen. But we'll go on to Watts' goal on 40 minutes, and of course. Brilliant, brilliant play with Ronan Finn in the middle of the park. Wins the ball, sets up Gaff again. Carbon copy. Carbon copy, exactly, yeah. Carbon copy and another gorgeous ball in from Gaffodinho. And Watts arrives late and strokes it home into the right corner. Gorgeous, gorgeous goal. Uh, it was party time in the south stand. Well, this is a harder finish than Finners though, isn't it? Because he had to open up his body. Brilliant, exactly. I was only out with Jaden yesterday and we were talking about how to open yourself up and receiving the ball in the middle of the park. And we were just giving giving them a few little tips on how to open yourself up and get that ball out from underneath your feet a little bit quicker. And that was a prime example of being able to open your body up and just slot it home. Brilliant goal. They couldn't handle Gaffney at all. They couldn't handle them at all. All we had to do was keep giving them the ball and it was danger. At one stage, right, Gaffney was on the left and he swung swung another one of those balls in, right? And it's going completely going out of play. I'm talking going like way out of play for their throwing and their defender is sprinting <laughs> after it and I'm looking at it and Turner I think turned around to me and a couple of other fans all turned around and we all just started laughing because <laughs> he lumped it up the pitch and we kept possession 
And we were all there laughing, going, what is he doing? <laughs> no need for it. No need for it. They were shy, let's be honest. Like, ah. we're, we'll talk about the chances they made. So We know we're going to see a different team over there, but we, fuck me. We could have drawn this game somehow, but overall, they were terrible. They had a good chance. The little number 10, I can't even pronounce his name. I haven't got it in front of me. Um, Gabagia or something like that he tri- chipped in a little ball for a header it was a good save from Al he was the only one with a bit of bounce. I thought that was as I don't that was that nil nil or 1-0 or yeah I know the header you're talking scary, about scary scary yeah. no he was very good now but, you're, you're, um, you're also feeling the half time warm up funny oh man that's ridiculous so I was just chatting away like the kids and all are there and Larry and everybody were chatting away in the stand and Paulie McGrath turns around the guards look, what, look at their bench look at their warm up our lads are out doing drills Passing the ball around, pinging it around, they're like pushing each other, and messing and slagging. And one fella's doing keep you uppies. He's he's and the other fella's watching him, and then the other fella's doing the keep you uppies. And they're all, I'm looking, I go, fucking, is this for real? <laughs> no drills, nothing. They're just chilling. One, they're all pushing each other. Around. I was like schoolyard. I couldn't believe it. Um, but their their style and approach for the second half. What did you? They made a sub. They got rid of Gabriel Mensa at halftime, and they brought on. The tank, <laughs> absolute fucking beast of a man. Do you remember, oh, do you remember Jonah Lomu from? The, I think he was he was a rugby player years ago. That's yeah. who they brought on. <laughs> Fuck me! I I was I thought they were messing. I was thinking it might be their S and C coach or something like that. I was like, <laughs> look at the size of him. I know he was massive, ridiculous. Um, people are kind of noting that our set pieces probably should have been uh, better. Do you know what? Um, They're not beating the force men. There's not enough pace on them. Like Watts is, he's very up and down <coughs> with a set piece, isn't he? He's he'll whip a brilliant one in, and the next yeah. one hit the force man. Like there's no consistency really. I don't want to make it all about Jack Byrne, but when I just when I think back, like Grace scored one against the Cypriots. Yeah. Pico scored one in Norway. I'm not feeling that we have that threat now. You're right though. It's not you're not pinpointing Jack Byrne. You're pretty much saying how it is. Jack Byrne is unbelievable at set pieces. And it's not uh, this at anyone else, and you're not putting anyone else down because Jack is in a world of his own when it comes to set pieces. It's simple. It's very, very uh, rare to have someone that good at, th- at set pieces like that. So now, what's can be decent at them? He can be. He's yeah, already he set up be. a few goals this season. But Jack's so. on a different level when it comes to set pieces and technique. So that's mm. that's no not taking that away from Watts or anybody, you know. But uh, yeah, big physical players. Jesus, they were big boys. That's the first thing Lars yeah. said to me. She goes, "Size it is." These are huge. <laughs> the fact that they were in pre-season, uh, no doubt it helped. Oh, one hundred percent. They are like total, total like like your man number nine, um, something Hoosen, I think it was. He was a uh, like he's he's only back from Aruba. He's eating his man cooking for the last two months. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? This was a comment in our group, which I thought was a good point. He said last night was a weird one. People saying it was a great atmosphere. Uh, this this person felt it wasn't. I he agree. says they were that bad that it killed the usual "come on, robbers, we're the underdogs, we'll get behind you" attitude. That. I agree with that. It wasn't the best atmosphere. It was a little bit subdued because we everyone was thinking these are shy. Well, the fact that we went two 0 up against them, yeah, and yeah, it's, it was different to a brand and a Apollon atmosphere. It was night and day, really. Yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, Barry not happy that Prof's perch has been hijacked by hoodlums and hipsters. Hoodlums and hipsters. Uh, well, how about don't stay in the pub till eight o'clock and go and claim your fucking spot. You've got to be out there a half an hour before. You've got to be there a half an hour before. Yeah. 
And I've noticed that the Cairns crew and the rest of the mob are going over further towards the east end as well. We're splintering in at the seams, prof. We're yeah. dying of death here. So we'll be talking to two chances they had. Um, the first one was just an <laughs> unbelievable shot. Right, we had a great view of this because... <laughs> It ball, ball broke in the middle, right? And whoever was on the left, I'm not sure who it was. I think it might have been Grace. Grace kind of stopped. And he was like, okay, this fella's going for it. And your man, he picks up so much speed. And I'm looking at him. I'm pulling on, I think it was Rob Lavelle. I'm like, look at this. He's going to shoot. <laughs> Boom. Hit the fucking bar. And I'm looking at it. I go, yeah. what? I've never seen a shot like that in my whole life. On the, on the roll as well. It no was touch. A mad effort. It was always... I was just about too high, wasn't he? Did like, you it see wasn't... the speed of him? Ah, oh. he was scary speed, like zombie speed, like twenty-eight days later, infected speed. Is there number nine? Is it? Yeah. What was his name again? Ah, Ratuzin. He was a Dutch guy, but he's yeah. Aruba, Aruba family, so he's a yeah. cap for Aruba. And I actually thought it was him again who hit the post, but now was there number eighteen? Um, this ball from Dejab really. This was some ball. That was the ten, wasn't it? They just. 10 is Dejabrile, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they just caught us cold with this ball over the top. Good, good player. And he muscled off Grace. Grace kind of flailed and then lost his balance. And as Ozzy Nay says, you could hear a pin drop in the stadium yeah. as he's true on goal here. Do you know what it reminded me of? Quite similar to the Ricketts lob in, in, in that it was like everyone just kind of... Like, <gasps> and no one expected it. But after, I watched the comedy back, or not the... Or the the commentary and straight after it they were like this guy has played every game last season and scored no goals <laughs> so he's proven that today <laughs> so he played every game and didn't score once who was the commentary was uh, he Alan, was Cody. Alan Cody, wasn't it? I don't yeah. think he came up with that stat now I'm wearing that clown was it Des Curran I'm not sure I just only watched it. someone sent it to me through uh, Whatsapp I actually watched the highlights but I, just, I can't remember who the league commentary was um, so yeah so that comes off the post and it was heart and mouth stuff like oh. I thought it was going to I was waiting for it to hit the net um, so yeah that was a let off big time and then another let off bruv 69 minute um, it was a coming together you could say and I'll be honest when I first saw this right I thought he smacked him and I, I, I straight oh. straight away I said he's off yeah, I took a view of this, so I saw it pretty clearly. So you saw I the thought, kick, I saw the, I saw the, the kick, flailing arm. and I thought, I thought, yeah, he's going to get sent off here. I was thinking, bollocks, we're done, but we got away with it. I don't think it was meant as well. Like I don't think you could turn around and say it was a red eventually, because, you know, I'm hoping something will come back to bite us with this. How does both the ref and the linesman miss this, though? Crazy, man, crazy. I think they, I will say they had a great game. Mm. The Danes were brilliant. Ref was very, very good, I have to say. He was. Mm. He let it flow. He was. He was generous. He was. It was. He mm. had a good game. Well, we are due a bit of luck. I think it was Maloney pointing out that Pico was felled before won the Slobber and Belislava goals last year. Uh, Joe O'Brien uh, getting the ball in the face. Yeah. Giving away a penalty. I mean, we've had some shocking decisions given against us. So swings and roundabouts. Yep. So this this is what caused the kick off in the West End, the disturbance in the directors area because. Uh, similar to Riga, I suppose, this crowd believe that referees are out to get them. It's us mm-hmm. against the world. Why they're out to get a team from Malta, I don't know. Everybody thinks that when you have a couple of bad decisions. But mm-hmm. um, listen, apparently is one of their delegation decided mm-hmm. to give it the big one. Looking for the smoke. Didn't come near the south stand, Prof, though. He knew it. He knew he'd get it. <laughs> I 
Well, he was pretty far from the sales stand to want to smoke, but uh, Gardy and We were Stewart's... sending out smoke signals. <laughs> he didn't get none of it. Gardy and Sewers had to intervene. I didn't know what was going on because I had a big pillar to my left, so I, I couldn't like couldn't see this properly. But um, you were being held back by staff. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely rotten. Waiting to dive in, it was. And just just back to the the Gaffney kick. Um, it was put up in forty two die. Um, like Gaffney was interviewed about it, and you just scroll down and look at the comments. And it's all just anti rovers. It's just like, oh, should have been sent off. Exactly. Come on, assault. Yeah, do you, know what, do you know what really fucking annoyed me as well? The next day I was in work and I checked on RT.ie. And when have you ever seen an incident like this been glorified like that? When have you ever seen? There was an article itself, Flashpoint in Tala. Rory Gaffney gets away with it or whatever it was. A different, a different article to the one of the match report. They glorified the fuck out of that. Where are they putting a spotlight on it? Do they want. The refs to have a look back at it and think, well, that deserves a ban now. When has that ever happened for any other European game or any other team where a, a, a situation like that has been pinpointed? Why didn't they just leave it in the match report? They're glorifying the fuck out of this incident. They want him to get a ban retrospectfully. I think it's the fact that he went on to score the third goal. No, which it's not, quite, man. It's not. It's Why would they do that? It quite often happens in football, doesn't it? And then, was a it Johnny Ward who did that? Johnny Ward said he was off. moonlighting for RTE. I think he might have wrote that. He only went on about that about eight times today, mm. that he was in the overflow in the press box. Keep him there. Yeah, keep him there at this stage. Uh, Brazzer with the old Arsenal winger classic about Gaffney. I need to see it back. Yeah, he's right. Um, and we mentioned Finner there. How good was he? It was, it was sometime around, maybe before or after the third goal. I think it was before he he unbelievable tracking back. Like he ran the length of the pitch, like they were almost in on goal. And he ran he had been part of an attack and he ran the full length of the pitch to stop the attack about ten seconds later. Do you know what I love about him as well? I love that he knows his limits and he knows his strengths and his weaknesses. Like he's not f- exactly the best dribbler of a ball who will go weaving in and out of players. He Whatever way they've set up, whenever he's on the right side, they work triangles around the players, the opposition, and it's brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing it now, him on the right side, giving it in to maybe Gaffney, and then giving and going, and then he's in and he can whip one in. So it eliminates the fact that him trying to whip, to, to beat a defender, it just gives him the chance to whip a ball in straight away without having to beat anybody. I love the way we play towards finish strengths like that when he's out on the right. I like we ha- that we have pa- patterns with certain players, like McCann. Loves to pick out Gaffney. Loves he loves to play that ball over and over again. And why not? Because he's, he's so dangerous for them. So, 78 minutes, Gare. 78 minutes, bit of magic. Gaffney started this, so he's out on the left-hand side. And um, he just gives a innocuous random ball into into uh, Oidmo. And then he just makes a dart and run. And Oidmo, apparently, was the deflection, according to Kali. It was a, a lovely little pass. A little round-the-corner pass. Oidmo takes a touch. Boom, in. Gaffney's in there. He's trying to pick out Gary O'Neill. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. I thought he... Gary O'Neill just It looked like a backheel initially. He's trying but, to backheel it through to Gary O'Neill, I think. Mm, to it me, takes, it, it looks like he nick. did a round-the-corner pass. Either yeah. way, it was it was, it was was good uh, eyesight on Oidmo. And then Gaffney's strong goal. And as he advanced, I'm thinking, oh, square it, square it, square it. I'm like, oh, he's, he's close now. Like no right foot. Like what foot? No, what uh, foot is Gaffney? <laughs> Good question. What foot is he? It's ridiculous. Whatever foot he wants. And he just strokes it home, and it was brilliant. Look brilliant, at the brilliant, difference brilliant. between 
the composure of Gaffney Shure on goal and the composure of your man who missed their chance and hit the post. It was night and day. Your man never he fancied himself. He kicked it into the ground and the ball was on the ground. Their, their chance. You know the way it bobbles and sometimes you may hit it into the ground? It was, it was smooth sailing and he just happened to kick it into the ground and hit the post. They were terrible. Yeah, no, such a composed yeah, finish. And brilliant stuff. And then Oidemo himself nearly made a 4-0. Oh, he, <coughs> he had a little shimmy on the edge of the box. Beat, he just needs it to go in off his arse. Beat he? Just two players and then... He tried, he tried to kind of blast it, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he he's in a goal and he says, you know, fuck it, I'll go for it. Good save for the keeper, it made himself big, mm. hit him in the chest. <clears throat> tried to blast in a fair corner, keeper saved. Um, that almost ended our tonkless run. Who would have expected that? Imagine we got did the imagine tonking. We got, imagine we did the tonking at home in the Champions League. That would have been our joint uh, highest win ever. 4 0. We beat Fram Reykjavik in 1982 at Milltown 4 0. Mm. Um, so that was that goal, but Prof, great start here. First European goal for all three players. I like that one. Yep, yes, indeed. So, um, and like we said, the players who have been in form, Gaffney, Watts, we needed them to step up because we were missing three big players, and they did. Uh, ran into Barry McCarthy there the other day. Baza! He's a D12 local, as you know. And uh, he, he pointed out that there's a clear the head effect going on here. Every time they have someone on, he scores a goal. Oh, oh, oh Prof. Yeah. We used to have this little effect as well before. But we'll move on to 7,000 attendance, Prof. 7,019. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant attendance. I'm very, very happy with that. Um, Gaffney Man of the Match as well. Uh, I was going to do a Gaffney impression, but I haven't got the voice. He's a little bit, a little bit high-pitched, isn't he? At times. <laughs> but brilliant and well-deserved and a great, uh, great interview. Yeah. Eminem sent in a message. Uh, Gaffney doesn't win Player of the Year this year. I'm rioting. I'm right. I'm pre- presuming he means league player of the year because surely he's yeah yeah he sure he's a main contender. So Gaffney media um, quote prof. Before you read the quote, just do you ever get like when you're in the sell stand? Not that I'm saying there's more Egypts in the main stand. Well, maybe I'm saying there's that. more moaners in the main stand. Yes. So I've noticed a lot of these. You know, you know the types. You know, forward and all this stuff. A brute lot of back. <laughs> he was my favourite ever. <laughs> that, that's not even Rovers. That was Glenwood or Celtic back in the day. But um, yeah, just fell in front of me giving out about Gaffney a lot of the game. And it's like, ah, he's not an out and out striker. Like, he just set up two goals and scored. Fucking but like, apparently a lot, of, a lot of the games, I haven't heard, it was mostly this game I noticed, it, but apparently a lot of people are shouting at him to get in the box. But that's not his. That's not what he's he doing. He drops deep and he brings other people into the game. He drops man. deep and it's up then to he might get in. It's up to others then to kind of <sighs> to read what, he, what watch he's doing. Brazzers here six years, <clears throat> six years. Yeah. Well, just to sum it up, this this just gentleman who was talking about Gaffney, he also was going on about how we never score from corners, and he was like, "Do we ever score from corners?" And I didn't say it out loud, but I just thought to myself, our most recent home game against Bowes. We scored from a corner. Yeah. You madman. <laughs> so, also, um, did you notice Gaffney making the crying face? No. As he scored, apparently no. he was... Mo- who was he? Was, was he mocking the player who he kicked or the goalkeeper? I don't know. I'd say, I don't think he'd be mocking the player that yeah. got accidentally kicked. But yeah, no, he was mocking somebody. Uh, just on clear of the head as well, uh, Ron Finn was on it. That's why we're saying he had the knock-on effect of him scoring... After appearing on the series, um, Pat Fenlon offered him a twenty percent drop in wages. 
20% drop? So hold on, so was it playing him out position mm-hmm. and dropping wages? I wonder, so he forced him out. Forced him out, like that's how you force someone out. Drop your wages. For what? Why am I getting a wage reduction? Out of position, one of the best League of Ireland players of this generation. That was forced him out. He was thinking, how can I get him out? Drop his wages and he'll walk. Now, 2014, we've been out of Europe two years at that point. Finances maybe weren't as strong. I don't know. But. You keep rolling Finn. In retrospect. Who's getting in ahead of him and sent him a field? In retrospect, I don't like a lot of Finn's decisions back then. Oh, sure you don't, bro. <laughs> he brought Killian Brennan back for a second time. He we won't. Banned the stats. Uh, this was Jake who was pointing out this about the. This is Jake, one of our Tifty's bogs. Talking about the 20% wage drop. He also says he loves Gartland. Uh, how are you ladies? Grow up, you good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the media quote from Gaff. I got sent off once in my life and never meant to kick him in the face. I suppose I've kicked him. I didn't go out to kick him in the face. But not two up anyways. It was two nil down maybe. Jeez, are we doing ourselves any favours? That's Is that the best thing to say? Well, Could they ban you for saying you'd kick someone if you were losing? You know, it, you It's reminiscent of uh, Pat Flynn saying he wants Fernando's blood on his boots. When you, when you, when you say ha-ha... But then it's put in print without the ha-ha. Maybe it doesn't translate so well in print. Yeah, you know? but like, you he think may, about... He probably winked at the interviewer as he said that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't look so but good. But Roy Keane like, <laughs> said, yeah, fucking hit him hard. And he's, well, no, he didn't mean that. Uh, no, what he's saying here, I did kick him in the face. <laughs> they, could touch, they could isolate that, you know? But a uh, good yeah. cameo from Justin Ferrazai. Yeah, we, well. we've learned the pronunciation. We've finally learned the pronunciation. Ferrazai. Yeah. Only his second appearance. Uncultured. Philistines we are yeah only 17 years old that's I tell his you what, second prof, appearance he looks good he does he, he dice someone on the edge of the box and put a great ball in and reportedly he's just rejected uh, Sampdoria oh. and reportedly he's gonna sign a professional contract with us mm, get in there prof nice six figure sum also a funny shout on Gaffney uh, someone suggesting he tried to get sent off on purpose so that he doesn't get sunburned in Malta. Oh god, he's gonna have to cover himself in muck. Never mind sunscreen. He's gonna have to totally mask himself. Me, me and the gingers, we're gonna suffer the most <laughs> in Malta. Uh, so if Rovers win this toy, the worst case scenario is a playoff to reach the conference league group stage is oh, man, it's big. We basically have three free hits at a group stage. <sighs> we need to do one of them, don't we? Have to get one of them. But two transfers confirmed, unfortunately, well Darabourne's good player. MK Dons and Danny Mandaroyu to Lincoln or um, Mandingo as Mandingo, your dad Mandingo yeah as Johnny Blue calls him um, can we have less of people saying on Twitter oh look after him <laughs> good luck kid no he's gone less of that that's the thing about Twitter something I've not thought about I just keep calling it I will say he did well like he won us he took over from Jack that creative force and we won a league and he got player of the year he was brilliant for us but he's gone I wouldn't have any ill will towards him but no he's gone he scored big goals for us yeah he did he man. did he was he was a good player he for did, us he, no did, he did what he needed him to do for a year and a half he's exactly. a good player but we showed on Tuesday that we can we can cope without him exactly yeah. now we do want Jack back as soon as possible and Berkey Berkey we know can be a big player for us yeah Definitely six goals record in Europe so I mean be nice to have one of them wouldn't it yeah but um, yeah so the a lot was made of the release clause so 30 grand apparently it's buttons, isn't was it? this figure 
So I guess Danny would have insisted on this clause before he signed for us. And it is so small. Dan, uh, Dan McDonald. This is one of the most fascinating things I've ever read in a transfer. Because this release clause was so tiny. 30,000 euro. That put off a German club. Yeah, they were like, ugh. They were like, oh well, if it's, why is if he it's so only cheap? that, it can't be that good. Yeah, why is he so cheap? Yeah, Isn't that crazy? It's nuts. Um, yeah, so Darren Nugent, prof, extended at Drogheda. So Nudger is getting some more game time. And Adam Wells' loan spell at Wexford as well. It's been extended, so two boys getting some game time is good. Um, What's a Gaffney, prof? Player of the month nominations? It has to be Gaff. It has to be Gaff, come on. It's Gaff. Well, it's been great, but Gaff gets it. Do they factor in Europe into the league Ooh, award? Good, good, oh, good show. I'm not sure. Mm. I'm not sure. Because I noticed in the last last one of the season <sighs> tends to be whoever won the FEI Cup tends to win. Oh, yeah. Even though it's yeah. a league award. So I don't really understand the rules. But yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Gaffney. Um, <sighs> Ethan Boyle is in there as well. So yeah. Anything can happen. Keep dreaming, <laughs> kids. Shells away in the 15 postponed as well. Um, so that'll give us a bit more rest time as well. And of course, Prof, Rosie the dog. Just just <laughs> tell the listeners about this and then I'll say my piece. Rosie the dog, which is my dog, Maya's dog, our, our family dog. She's modelling for the club now. And we literally, like, the dog is small, man. You see, you'll see it, you've seen the pictures. She's small. We had to get Ross to run to the office to get pins and clips to actually hold the jersey on. <laughs> That's how small the dog is. And every time she ran, the fucking thing had come off. It took for, it took forever. But yeah, now Rosie the dog. She's officially famous. An absolute family <laughs> of media heroes. <laughs> the so- brothers. The wife. The mother-in-law. The kids. The baby. Even the pets. You won't rest. Until everyone in your house is a celebrity. <laughs> Stop, will you? Um, yeah, so get your dog jerseys. <laughs> that, they're actually, oh, dog jerseys, they're actually class. And uh, like I said, get your dog jerseys down yeah. the site. The Rovers range. Move over Kitty Mellon and Cindy. Yeah, there you go. Um, so we have the weekend results and uh, for the underage section and we have Sligo Rovers at home. Rovers went out there and beat them 3-2. And we have the ladies under 19s DLR Waves. They got hammered as well 2-1. Rovers a good start here prof. Under 17 Cup oh, Rovers lost at home to UCD. That's an unfortunate one there. Women's uh, women's under 17s beat Bray 10-1. UCD beat the 15s 2-1 and Rovers away in the cup 7-0. Cove Ramblers. Some big scores Some there. Some big score lines there. Two, yeah, U, two yeah. UCD. We also have a result from Wednesday night. The women's 19 to beat Shelburne 4-0 at the Academy. It's a huge win. I think how good Shells are at ladies level. And also a bit of underage news. Dara McGuinness has signed for Michael O'Neill's Stoke City. He's yeah. in Ireland under 18 internationals. Um, And we have some fixtures there if you check your WhatsApp. So, we have the under 17 Women's National League. It is Waterford versus SRFC, and it's Saturday, 9th of July, in the Wit Arena, 2 pm, kickoff Waterford. Under 15's National League, SRFC versus St. Pat's, and Sunday in the Roadstone, 3 o'clock, 10th of July. Get on down. Under 17's National League, we Rovers against Shells. That is going to be a cracker. 17's, get down to that one, Saturday, 9th, 3 pm. 
I'm saying getting down to it. Everybody's going to be in Malta. Fourteens <laughs> <laughs> Cup, Rovers versus Waterford, Rollstone, 3 o'clock, get on down. And of course, on the 19th, National League versus Pats, Tallis Stadium, Sunday, 10th, 3pm kickoff. That's going to be a monster as well. Pats and Rovers have been dueling for years and Pats getting the better of them, so... So get on down, unless you're a model. Yeah, get on down, unless you're a model. But yeah, so, Prof, up next, we have the famous Sean McCarthy. So we're here with Sean McCarthy, uh, a Malta-based Hooper. Uh, he's going to talk to us about his time following Robbers and living in Malta. So uh, welcome to the show, Sean. Let's go back to the beginning. How did you get into Robbers in the first place? And do you remember your first game? Oh, gosh. Well, I have a little dispute with my brother, Mick, Mick McCarthy, who's a huge Hoops fan for anyone that out there that knows him. Oh, everyone knows um, him, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they do, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you broke uh, Mick in half, he'd have green and white hoops going through his, his blood, you know. But um, I think it was, for me, it was 1956. Um, now, Mick would have been only, what, five or six at that time. But what I remember is I got a new bike, which was a big event, you know, in those days. <laughs> and I, to me, it was in 1956. And that's when uh, we had just moved from, well, a couple of years previous or so, we'd moved to Walkinstown from the city centre, Castle Street. And um, I started to follow Rovers in around that time. And I started to go over to Milltown. So I remember taking uh, Mick over on the crossbar of the bike, you know, <laughs> and um, we used to throw the bike with the with these kind of bicycle minders, you know. Um, I think it was a school that was between Milltown and the Dropping Well pub there. And we used to just pile all these bikes up and the guy would give us a ticket, you know, and we'd wonder whether the bike would still be there when we got back, you know, after the game. <laughs> but... Uh, then it used to be. Uh, I don't know if today it would be the same thing if it happens, but anyway. So I think it was 56, and Mick thinks it's 57, but either way, it's in around there. And uh, I adored that team then. You know, there was uh, Darcy and Goal and Burke and Hennessy and Kyo and Ronnie Nolan. I mean, they were a great team. I've never forgotten them, you know. Uh, Hamilton, Maxi McCann, uh, Paddy Ambrose, you know, Liam Tui. I mean, they were all heroes to me. Paddy Cole you know? as well. Ah, oh, they were, I mean, they were like, and I can even remember around that time, like Tommy um, uh, Farrell started in around that time. And I remember the first game, I think, that Pat Copney, uh, uh, Courtney played. Um, you know, th those sort of things stick in my mind over the years. And then, of course, I went away. I was only, what, I'm 60 years away from, from Ireland. So, uh, you know what I mean? The time then after that that I saw Rovers was always when I went back on holiday. And uh, probably Mick would organize that we go to whatever game was on whilst I was there, you know. And we always went to the same place in Milltown, in the main stand. We always stood underneath the kind of seated area there. 
And uh, I just want to tell this little quick story because we always made the same, the, the, the point of going to the, exactly the same place. And there was always a huddle of guys there over the years, you know. And I got to know, when I was working in Liverpool, I got to know all the Liverpool people very well. I, I, um, I used to look after Liverpool Football Club for a number of years in their pre-match uh, accommodation and meals, you know. And Jim Beglin, who was playing left, left full for us, who I got to know very well, I used to say to him, you know, we used to slag the hell out of you running up and down the, the wing. And he said, God, I used to hate it when I'd have to go down near the halfway line, the slagging I'd hear coming out of you guys. So you know <laughs> what I mean? It was a great comrade camaraderie then, you know, fantastic time. So it was in around 56, 57 was uh, to answer the question. So because you moved away, did you see more of the, the grade 50s team rather than the grade 60s team, the six in a row, or how much of that did you no, see? No, I probably saw more the, the the 60s team, I'd say. You know, part, part, I mean, there was the 50s, but I got into a stage where I would go back to Ireland two, possibly three times a year, you know. So I got to see the early 60s team uh, a lot more. And it was from roughly, I'd say, the mid-60s that I started to see less and less, but I still kept my uh, my support and my interest. And we didn't have what we have today, you know, internet and uh, mobile phones where you can get instant information. I used to be, you couldn't even get the phone home because we didn't have a home, uh, we didn't have a, a phone, you know. You'd yeah. have to call the neighbor three doors up, who was the only one on our road at the time that had a phone. And I was already working in France uh, and, uh, you know, trying to make communica uh, communication with home was very tough, very tough, you know. You called out a lot of 50s players there. What about the great cup winning team, uh, six in a row? What, are there any games from that cup run or any players that stand there for you? I, I've only got vague memories of that because when you're that kind of young and you're moving around, you're, you know, you don't tend to hang on to the historic facts that you might have, you know, 30, 40 years later, you know, that way. But I was always very, very interested. It was, that was my team, you know, even before I followed anybody in, 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 in England, for argument's sake, you know. So you moved out to Malta 30 years ago, I believe. What brought you no, out there? No, I'm, I'm, I'm 23 years here in Malta. And I came for two um, because I was a hotel manager and um, I worked for the Intercontinental Hotel Group. So you always got shifted around. And I had come out of Manchester and I went to a short time to Dubai. And then when I was there, there was a problem with the permits for the outgoing manager. Um, so I was told to come to Malta to do this specific job uh, in a hotel that was owned here by, uh, like, Air Malta were the official owners, but they were, a, you know, a, a parastatal company, so the government owned it. Um, so it was quite, quite a sort of, let's say, a tough job. I'd gone from one tough job to another. And when I, when I came here, I was only under contract for two years. But I met my now wife then, 
<laughs> Hence the reason I'm still here after 23 <laughs> years. Didn't move. <laughs> well, there's a couple of hundred hours fans heading over to Malden next next week. I think we're all staying in St. Julian's. What area of Malden are you in? Well, I'm I'm just off St. Julian's. I mean, St. Julian's is literally um, you know, 300, 400 meters down the road. I'm in an area called Pembroke, which is a residential area out of this sort of um, hub of St. Julian's. But for for anybody coming here, they'd probably think uh, Pembroke and St. Julian's were the same place. All the big hotels are just literally opposite me here. So um, there's plenty to do, let's say. But God help them next week because I hope they bring, they bring the... Uh, Balaclava factor with them because we had 43 degrees today. Murder. Oh my God. Um, so give Rose yeah. fans the uh, the crucial info, good places to go, the price of a point and all that stuff. Um, well, in, in St. Julian's, just down from us here, there's like uh, what they call uh, Spinola Bay and there's a lot of bars there, including uh, the best known probably Irish one is called the Dubliner. And um, it's as near as you get overseas to an Irish pub. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've been in Irish pubs that I couldn't see anything Irish about them. But this one, the guy is very, uh, very keen. The owner is very keen on having an Irish thing. Sometimes he used to get in the Irish, some Irish groups, especially around St. Patrick's Day and all that. St. Patrick's Day is actually a big day celebrated here, believe it or not, and has been over the last 20 years. Everybody goes around, all the Maltese and whoever else, all go around dressing the green hats and green this and green that. You know? <laughs> but a pint of beer, I think a pint of beer at the moment, the local beer is around 350. It'll vary a few 10 or 15 cents depending on where, where you're at, you know, but around 350. So the boys can afford to get drunk, you know. And as an Irish lad, uh, how quickly did you warm to Malta? When did it feel like home? Um, well, I suppose uh, the real thing that determines these for me was uh, the job you had. And uh, I had quite a problematic job. Uh, it was 100% unionized, people with jobs for life, that type of thing, you know, until they were 61, uh, which was then the, the, the age. Uh, so the first year was very, very tough because I had a, quite a few union problems and all that. But anyway, um, I, I would say I warmed to Malta fairly quickly, you know. Um, the climate's fantastic. And... I arrived in in April, so it was just really nice. I used to go to work at eight o'clock in the morning and walk up along the seafront from my apartment to the hotel. It was only about a kilometer away, even even if if that. Uh, with my jacket over my shoulder in my shirt sleeves, you know, and that would be in the middle of say January. And I used to think, you know, this is great. I mean, this is fantastic. You know, so I warmed to it. And then obviously I met my now wife. So that that kind of finished me all together. <laughs> you know, 
We were speaking off air there that you've uh, you've seen Luke the Mech around the place. Um, have you been to see games in the league in Malta? Have you familiarised yourself with the league and the well, players and stuff? Not not particularly, Carl. I mean, um, I used to go a few years ago because I had um, some friends. Well, I still have the same friends, but um, I had some friends that were very keen on different teams uh, at the time. Slima Wanderers. Valletta and Hibernian were, were the three main teams going. And uh, so each of those friends were like supporters of some of those clubs. And the, the slight, it's, it's almost the same as the League of Ireland, you know. All the clubs are very much uh, named after their village or their town. Um, so in Ireland, you'd have Sligo. You know, but here, with the exception, funnily enough, of Hibernians, which is from a town called Paola, um, you have Slima, you have Valletta, you have Zira, you have Marshallschlock. All of these Premier League teams are all particular to a village or a town. And the supporters only come from those those towns or, or villages. They don't, you know, you won't get a guy from Valletta supporting Slima. Whereas in Dublin, you could have a guy from the north supporting Rovers, you know, that way. Yeah. So that's that's how it goes here. But they, it's nowhere near. Um, the attendance here is very small in, no, in most of the games. You know, a couple of thousand. Maybe the odd big game might get three or four thousand. I mean, I would say next Tuesday night. You'd be lucky if you have three or four thousand there, you know, which was great last night, over seven thousand. Huh? Yeah. It's come and, on um, brilliantly. And being that Malta is so close to Libya, yeah. uh, I believe a certain someone uh lined out for a local team in the 90s as uh, Gaddafi's son. Yeah, yeah, Gaddafi's son uh was playing football here and he went he went to Italy as well with a team. I can't remember who he went with, but I used to uh, accommodate him when he first came. And, um, you know, at that time, of course, Gaddafi was Gaddafi, you know. And and what I meant by, mean by that, he was still in power and he was still the honcho, you know. Um, and there was a, a big kind of tie-up between Malta and Libya because historically, when the British left Malta in the 60s, uh, let's say it this way, they were kind of left on their own, you know. And at the time, the then Prime Minister kind of uh, hitched his uh, cart onto Libya. And a lot of Libyan money came in here. So Gaddafi's son used to come and he'd stay with me and he'd have about an entourage of about 20 people with him, you know, ranging from bodyguards of some sort to personal assistance to hangers-on, you know, um, and wasn't without uh, any challenges, let's say it that way. <laughs> and given how much Robert's have been through since the 60s, I mean, Milltown yeah. has come and gone. We had no home. Uh, we eventually found a way to Tata. What's the lo- what was it like for, for you being abroad, following the club from afar? How did you stay connected to the club? Well, 
you know, I mean, it, it was it was a very tough time, as you well know, and um, it looked very, very much at one time whether that we might have gone under, you know. Um, I mean, the strange thing about all of this and Milltown and the way Milltown um, was disposed of and all of that, uh, <laughs> and, and how people felt about it, I I I knew Louis Kilcoyne very well because. In the early 80s, I was managing director of the Gresham Hotel. And I got to know Louis through through that and through the club. And you know what I mean? And he always said to me, he says, gosh, Sean, he said, at least I can speak to you, but I'd be afraid of my life to meet your brother. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Uh, because he knew, but anyway, business was business, and that's what happened, you know. But that was a tough time, and uh, I suppose moving around and wanting another, I always kept in touch with Mick, you know. So Mick would always um, update me on whatever was going on, you know. And then the closer he kind of tended to get to the club, uh, and he'd know some of the players, you know. When I'd go home on holiday. He was always like, oh, we've got to go and meet so-and-so. And, you know, he was good friends with some of them. So we've got to go and meet so-and-so. And he was, he was living the club. It's like his religion, you know. And you were part of the, of the 400 club from the start, weren't you? Say again? You were part of the 400 club from the start. Yeah, well, well, that started up. And um, I said, well, in my own small little way, that's the least I can do, even though... I was away and all the rest of it. So I um, tended to, uh, I just, I joined up, you know, it was just a small way of doing it. You know, that's what they were asking for. That's what I gave them, you know, and uh, it made you feel also part of the club so that no one could turn around and say, well, you didn't really give a monkeys about the club, did you? Because you didn't do anything to offer to help or anything. So when you were away, you don't get the full, the full notion of what's going on, really. You know, you 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 hear the snippets of it, and you hear we're in trouble, or you hear that uh, we're homeless. You know, we don't have a ground. We're we're begging to play in in Tulka Park or whatever it might be. You know, and you think that's terrible for Rovers. We deserve, you know, to be better. You know, um, I'm always saying to people even though I'm a big Liverpool supporter, you know, uh, I'm always saying, well, they're like the Manchester United of Ireland, you know. <laughs> I always say Liverpool now, but then I used to say Man United, you know. Uh, Mick says you'd be texting them during the games <laughs> that we've scored and all this. So you're obviously you're as, as enthusiastic as ever, even though you're oh, yeah, watching keep, from afar. Keep, well, one of the best things for me um has been over the last whatever it is, two or three so seasons, was that started up this LOI TV, you know? Mm-hmm. So if there was nothing like, I used to get frustrated if there was nothing on RTE or RTE2 or whatever. Um, and you, you'd be trying to follow the game, you know? And the only way that you could follow it at that time was I used to go through all these different sites on the internet uh, to try and find the game, you know, and sometimes you would find it and the picture might be lousy or whatever it is, 
but at least you'd find it. But at that time, the added problem was that not a lot of clubs had their own, like, um, TV, you know what I mean? They hadn't got their own ground cameras. So you were always hoping that the game was being shown, uh, you know, and you couldn't get it, but you get it on the internet. Difficult. But then it, one of the best things for me was that LOI TV, because you just paid your subscription. You could pick any game you wanted to, which meant that I always picked the Rovers game. And I would analyze the game, you know, and annoy Mick because he wouldn't want to be answering the phone when he's watching the game, you know. <laughs> and I'd be texting him saying, like last night, I said, jeez, I said, Gaffney's really lucky he's still on the field, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. So I would annoy him, you know what I mean? Because Mick would get very passionate and very very focused on the game, whereas I'd be watching the game, sure, but I'd be texting as well, you know, saying, oh, we should be 2 nil up or we we could be one down or who's this guy we just brought on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so obviously you are watching last night. Uh, what did you yeah. think? be delighted with the performance and the three goals. Well, it was very, they played extremely well in the first half, of course. Um, I think, I'm not really saying that, uh, Hibernian would have been a big threat, to be honest with you, because um, they, they're in their sort of close season now. They, they, you know, they haven't been playing. They won't start their season till another few weeks, like like in the UK. But um, they were definitely unfit last night. But I think next week, I mean, it's a great score to bring with you, 3-0. Uh, it means that the big problem next week would have been, had it been a draw or maybe just 1-0 or something, would have been definitely the heat. Um, because that will be that will be very difficult for the rover players next week. It's been it's still gonna be 35 degrees, you know, and they won't run around like they did last night. They'll have to slow the ball down and you know just keep control of the game, you know? And it's the Centenary Stadium. Is it a plastic pitch, I believe? Yeah. Um, I think I think they've changed that to grass now. Uh, but it's a big, wide, open stadium, you know? Um, there's no, no cover on it. It's all, you know, all open right round. And uh, it probably will take, well... I've, seen, I've been there when there was nearly 20,000 there. And that's about its compared open. So if there's a bit of a breeze going on, it'll be it'll be a big help, you know. And the last time Herbertians played uh, League of Ireland Club was 20 years ago. It was Shelburne in the Champions League. Uh, our physio, Tony McCarthy, actually played in the game. And uh, yeah. you have uh, quite a good story about Shells coming to your hotel for that tie in 2002. Well, well funnily enough, um, the year before, uh, Man United had come over because um, I worked at Manchester for a number of years and I became very, very friendly with, uh, uh, believe it or not, a lot of the Man United people, you know, from Alex Ferguson down and a lot of the players of the, um, of the sort of mid, late 80s and 90s, early 90s. 
And um, they, they had come over to play a game in Tahali, in the uh, stadium there. Uh, something to do with the, the Maltese centenary of football. Uh, and uh, Alex Ferguson stayed with me with the team. And it was like bedlam because Man United would be one of the biggest supported teams by the Maltese. You know, they tend to, they tend now to spread it around a bit more like, you know, the, the, the what I call whoever's winning at the time, they, they'll follow them. So it was always Man United. Then it became Liverpool. Then it became Chelsea, you know, this kind of way. But at that time, Man United came over with all the top players, you know, Keane, Roy Keane and uh, Beckham and, you know, you know Schmeichel and all, all these, all the full team. And they were like, uh, I suppose, the first time I had seen it and I'd looked after a lot of football teams, they were now on this big diet thing, you know, no, no, uh, no garlic in the pasta and then grilled chicken, you know, whereas they used to have steaks before that. Um, and I thought, well, this is it, you know, Man United are sort of like one of the top teams in the world and here's how they do it. And then the following year, Shelburne came and I could not, seriously could not believe the number of people they had who were running the team. Now, Pat Fenlon was the manager, but they had like coaches for, <laughs> just maybe not even exaggerating, coaches for defenders, coaches for forwards, coaches for throw-ins experts, coaches for goalkeepers. They had all these different people and physios and all of that. And I thought, Man United didn't have anything like that. And here's Shelburne with all these people, you know. So I went to that game, actually. It was, what, 1-1 here. And my friends, the ones I was telling you about that are the Hibernian supporters, they went over to Dublin for the game. And, of course, what a shock then that they won in the last minute or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, a kind of bit of a fluke goal, you know. But, uh, yeah, well, there was a lot of a lot of things going on with Shelburne then. <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, was Mr. Ollie Byrne there? Was he? Ollie Byrne was the chairman, I think. Yeah, uh, I remember him. I dealt with him quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. I think I think they were very. Let's put it this way. I think they were very very keen about the prices they were paying. Yeah. You know. And Mick wanted me to ask you this question. Uh, what did George Best say to you? Because you were quite paddy with him. What did he say to you before he died? Uh, well, I was good friends with George uh, for a long time. And um, he came out here quite a lot and stayed with me here. Um, usually, I mean, the thing with George is, you know, he had the reputation. It is what it was kind of thing. But George was a very humble guy, a very down-to-earth guy. Um, he was a very modest guy, uh, but yet he knew who he was. Does that make sense? You know, he was very aware of who he was, but he was very accommodating for most people. But then when he kind of flipped, uh, I had one situation here with him. And um, 
he had basically, he came out and he stayed with me and he was okay for a few days. And then suddenly he was back on the booze. And uh, I was running around parts of uh, Slima looking for him at eight, eight and nine o'clock in the morning. And I found him in a cafe bar and I kind of ran him out of it and got him back to the hotel. The Daily Mail or the Mail on Sunday UK paper had him contracted to write uh, a weekly column in one of their supplement magazines. And of course, he hadn't done it. And they were sending this um, journalist woman out to, to grab hold of him. So they were on to me, can you please get George? You know, so anyway, cut a long story. I got George and um, I said, you've got to do it, George, because I mean, it's worth a lot of money to you. So, if you, you know, you've got to do it. So the woman they sent out, uh, I don't know if she was then, but subsequently she is the wife of Piers Morgan. And um, I got George and her together. And we arranged that at, say, six o'clock this evening, he would do the interview so that she could take it back and make it for the Sunday paper. Well, six o'clock came and no sign of George. And I had to run all over bloody Malta looking for him. And he said, I'm not going to do it, you know. But he, he was his own worst enemy. And then when he got ill... Well, first of all, when he got the, the new new uh, liver, he came out and he stayed with me and he was very, very good and he behaved himself. But then when he went back, he had a, he had a bit of a, a to do with his uh, his wife and he went back to the UK and he started drinking. And when he went to the hospital in Cromwell, Cromwell Road in London for the kidney transplant uh, follow-up, he... Uh, you couldn't get to see him. Only people with a certain password could get to see him. And I had the password, which was just simply Mr. Percy. So <laughs> I went over to see him and he was quite ill at the time. So I saw Mr. Percy. I got ushered in. No problem. Uh, and he was quite bad. And uh, I would say he was very regretful that he'd got himself into that position, you know, which he'd probably said to himself many, many times previous, you know, but it was sad. He was, he withered away, you know, and I had just started a new job. One, I was one week into a new job here in Malta when he died and I couldn't get to the funeral, you know, after a week, I just couldn't get to, couldn't say to them, look, I'm going off for a few days. I just started the job. So I watched it, of course, on television. And all, most of those people I knew as the chief mourners, you know, I knew all of them, virtually all of them, you know. So I thought, well, it was a foul, wet day, if you remember, in November. And um, it was sad time. He was a good guy, good guy. Did he say something to you about a book? Well, he was always at me because uh, I know this is going to sound wrong out of context, but my job allowed me to get to know so many famous people. 
you know. And it was probably at a time when we didn't have the mobiles, didn't have a ready camera, so you never quite got the photographs, but you knew the people, you know. And uh, George was always at me. Uh, he used to always say to me, you got to write that bloody book, you know. You've got to write that book. You've got more secrets on everyone than most people. So you've got to write the book. And he wasn't the only one that said that. I've had many, many people say that to me, and I just never got, never did it, you know. Never. In fact, uh, George's manager, a chap called Phil Hughes, that I'm still in touch with, and he looked after George for many, many years. And he would he would have more about George than anyone else, everyone else put together. And I keep saying to him, Phil, you gotta write the book. And he said, No, I won't do it. I won't I won't betray him like that, you know. And the one thing I would say about George, just to finish about him, is a lot of people, uh, friends of his always said uh, they were let down by him, you know. Uh, he would always kind of promise to turn up and didn't and uh, all of that sort of thing. And in the, all the years I knew him, he never once let me down. And I used to be waiting on it to happen. <laughs> you know, I used to say, he's, going to, he's not going to show up here, you know. I used to get... Football clubs I was involved with, you know, like amateur, semi-professional football clubs, one or two I was a director with. I used to get George to come and speak at dinners to raise funds for the club. And one time um, he was coming up from London and I was in Stoke-on-Trent. I was a director of Newcastle Town Football Club. And we had about 400 people in this hotel. And George was supposed to have left London at four o'clock train didn't get it, five o'clock train, didn't get it. Eventually I got told he's on the six o'clock train. So we got all these 400 people to sit down and have their dinner. And George arrives up, I went and collected him. George arrived up, let's say half nine. And when it came to uh, him standing up, the first thing he said was, hand up all you bees that thought I wouldn't turn up. <laughs> and the whole room jumped up cheered him on you know so he had a great gift you know to uh to tell a story you know and finally mick told me the story and uh it was it was a cracker uh, it was when man united won the 1999 champions league uh you and mick were at a private party with the the treble the three trophies uh what happened that night with uh mick oh right 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 <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, there's a very thriving sort of uh, supporters club here. And United sent out a number of players and Alex Ferguson. They came with these trophies, you know, and it's a huge occasion for the uh, supporters club, obviously. Uh, and I got a phone call from Alex Ferguson to say, listen, Sean, we're all going down to this uh, Chinese restaurant in 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 saint julian's in fact uh why don't you come along and i said well would you mind i said my brother is here on a few days holiday would you mind if they brought no 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 bring him down so we went down and i always remember we were uh we went in and the first people i saw was ryan Giggs and wes wes brown 
they were said they're good friends, I think, anyway. And they were sat together. And Mick had this camera. And I'd said to me, Mick said, Do you think it'd be okay to take photographs before we went in? And I said, Well, look, just give it a you know, don't be indiscreet, Mick. You know, just let me just feel how it is. So after a while, it was okay. Everybody was free and easy. So Mick was going around like a dog on heat, you know, with the camera, you know, and he pressed <laughs> and everything and all that. And and later on, I, I thought, just a fleeting thing in my head, I thought, sounds a funny camera, you know. But anyway, uh, the next morning, I think it was, uh, Mick comes into my office and he said, I've just been down to the chemist to get the films uh, developed. And the guy told me there was no film in the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, Mick, for heaven's sake, we can't do this again. You know, you missed it. You missed it. So uh, that was a that was funnier then than it is now, you know. I said, no, I'm believing then, did I? Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, he was just going crazy with all these photographs, you know, tick, click, click, click. Uh, any chance he got, you know, do you mind? Tick. <laughs> yeah. Right, we'll leave it there, Sean. Uh, thanks yeah. so much. Really enjoyed all your stories there. Good, good, good. Pleasure talking to you today. Thanks, man. Nice, nice to meet you and good luck. Yeah, we need to have a point with this man. Oh, yeah. We need the real story. We need the non-PC stories. He's actually, he says he's missing the game. He has a, a family uh, prior engagement, but uh, he'd be around the Wednesday, so could potentially meet him, him and Mick. Definitely need a point there, man. Uh, the Senator of Malta. The Senator of Malta. <laughs> Unbelievable stories. Some contacts in Ferguson, the Ferguson, Gaddafi. Um, unbelievable. He didn't even mention the Liverpool people. He knows pretty much who's who of, of Liverpool. Doesn't kiss and tell, Prof. Um, the gentleman doesn't kiss and tell. Yeah, he was a general manager of the Crown Plaza Group. So, as George Best said to him, he has all the secrets. So all should, the secrets. Should write the book. Yes. And he didn't say it out loud, but you could probably read between the lines there. The Shelburne... 2002 uh, hotel story Shelburne the chances chances that they are or were in the early noughties with a unique approach to settling a hefty hotel bill <laughs> uh, Prof um, right, before we do our starting 11s and predictions we have a handy travel guide so what we're going to do here is Prof is going to have a little look over it and the travel guide is as as follows, okay? So we've got some f four handy phrases that you're probably going to need when you come to St. Julian's or wherever you're staying. So first of all, they don't want no smoke. Majidruks, do you have? Barry, we said no pissing in the pool. <laughs> Barry, get in your head there, pissing fill the pool. Come on, Rovers, these are shy. Come on, Rovers, don't huma shita. Can I have six points, four double vodkas and Red Bull, two shots of Sambuca and a packet of scampi for us, please? Nista, you call six pointer for vodka topia. Eat a body and a matter two shots of Sambuca, be packet of scampi fries. What, what about it's fucking roast? <laughs> I'm bleeding, melting. So that is four handy phrases that you'll say the last one you need more than that. I'm sure you pronounced that at least 20% correctly. I warped into an Italian there at the end. Yeah, so Prof, up next we have Star 11s and predictions. I'm going to go off the cuff with this one. I am going 
I'm going with possession-based football for this one. Right? I'm going with possession-based football here. So, Manus, I'm going to go Grace, Pico, Hoare, because they are the form guys at the minute. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to go... I think you might be right about Finn. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Gannon and Cavill. Yeah, I think that's what he'll do. Possession-based football here. Not saying that Lions can't peep it, but I think... I think that's going to be smart. I'm going to go McCann and O'Neill again. And I'm going to go Gaff. Gaff and Greener. Gaff, Greener, Watts. I don't think he's going to be much change there. I really don't. I don't think he's I going mean, to be much. Think about how big this game is. He's not going to want to rest anyone, but he's going to box clever. And I think keeping the two boys who can keep possession, Cavo and Kavanagh. What else can you do? I mean, there's Tell and there's Eidemann. Yeah. Who else could come in there? Well, true. I'm happy enough with that team, yeah. And I'm going to go... Unless Berkey became fit in time. I don't know if he will, but... I'm going to go... I'm going to go for a <clears> scare. What, you're saying we're going to go 1-0 down? Oh, yeah. In I'm going to say 1-0 down in the heat and we'll end up winning 2-1 with a late goal. Ooh. Into the way end. So the, the end of the Paddy McGrath curse, the end of the black jersey curse. End of the black jersey and the Paddy McGrath I curse. I can confirm we have never won in this jersey. Uh, we weren't sure, were we? Officially, mm. yeah. Born. We've won a couple of friendlies, but not a competitive match. So what's what else? You, you're pretty much agreed with the team, yeah? I Yeah, I do agree with the team. Um, I don't know what else I would do to it. I just, just, I'm pretty sure he's going to rest Finn, and I want to see Cabo start. I'm not really pushed whether it's McCann or Tell. Um, so, yeah, I would stick with those two. Again. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that and see what happens. Um, just a quick note. Today, as we record Thursday, uh, Bradzer's first game in charge was six years ago to the day. Ooh. And the Harps match just gone. <clears throat> that was the 250th game in charge. And Gaffney's goal against Bowles recently was his 400th goal that's fell nicely that fell nicely nice coincidence yeah yeah so we had videos coming into us prof from our Maltese based correspondent scouting out boozers it was actually brilliant so they, they put on a rover song and they just slowly walk around the pub eyeing it out for us so yeah. so far it's looking like the sunflower it's looking really good big beer garden but no air con that's the only thing prof's going to melt and then we found another one I think it was the long haul or the no. Dubliner and it's on the corner love, love boozers on the corner and it Branches out into the streets, so loads of room for everybody. No aircon, no party. No aircon, no prof. Um, yeah, and of course we had another absolute weapon of a yoke wearing a Bose jersey. Just say no. Mm. Just don't do it. It's not funny. You couldn't pay me to do it for charity for anything. Imagine, I'd be in the hoof. I'd be sitting there, my arms crossed. I was like, no, not doing it. We hammered Giggsy Ham for doing this. We're going to hammer yeah. anybody for Stags, doing this. Stags is cancelled. No, not doing it. <laughs> Honestly, come on. I know it's a bit of fun to Stags. No, there's lions. You don't cross them. There's fucking lions. You don't cross them. The second leg, Prof, will be shown live on RT News, 7pm Irish time. So, um, I don't know if there's a demand we can get something sorted. We can get a boozer sorted for you who aren't travelling. I'm sure uh, the four pros will be happy to have you. Be no issue there in the big feel, room. I feel like the we haven't visited them in a while. Yeah, it is. It's been a while. It's been a while. And of course, Malta tickets are on sale now with uh, a clunky enough website, Prof. They're 15 quid. <laughs> As Dan Fulham said, that was the ropiest ticket purchase I've ever made. 
I'm pretty sure our kidneys are going to be sold the dark web next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, I think Jason Maloney entered five, five times and it, there's, a now, there's now about five Jason Maloney's going around with Maltese passports, <laughs> all fake, with his passport name on it. What a dodgy website. Oh, My God. Ropey as fuck, isn't it? was so it? weird. Ropey as fuck. Um, buses to the stadium. We are full to the brim, unfortunately. And Got we are three already. Try- yeah, we're trying to source another one. It's tenor ahead and it's cans included. Chilled. Never Has there been much demand for a fourth? We're looking at it as a standby list, so we need to be able to make sure that it exists. I don't think it's going to happen, to be honest. It's not looking good. So if anybody's listening and you're on that standby list, Welcome Pickups is the name of a very, very good transfer company. Get in touch with them. But um, no, it's not looking good at the minute. But we've, we've tried to accommodate everybody. It just kind of snowballed. So um, that's pretty much it, Prof. For this week, we are multi-bound. Um, get use our bucket hats. Get use our bucket hats. Get use our ultras white t-shirts. Uh, get use our sunscreen. So that's it, Prof. And we will see you in St. Julian's. Keep on hooping. See ya. Yeah.